Welcome to this second episode of Ukraine War Uncovered, podcast about the war in Ukraine. Today is 434th day of the Russian full-scale invasion of Ukraine. My name is Pavlo, my colleague is Anna. We are both Ukrainians and co-hosts of this podcast. In this podcast, we will uncover facts and stories about the war in Ukraine, some of which you may not hear from the mainstream media. We will provide you with key weekly updates about the war based on information from the ground. Connect with eyewitnesses and experts directly from Ukraine. Share stories of wartime life inside Ukraine and stories of temporary displaced people. We will also uncover Ukraine, its culture, language and history for you. In this episode, we will cover weekly news updates of what's happening in Ukraine. We also speak about historic events in the history of Ukraine. Also, as last time, cover for you some word of the week. Also, starting from this week, we will provide you with updates from Ukrainian front lines. To do so, as the last time, we need to start with some retrospective for your understanding. So last time we spent most of the time of the, our episode speaking about 14 months of the uh, Russian invasion and Ukrainian resistance to put you in the context of what's happening now. So similarly as the last time in this episode, we want to start you with some retrospective of how Ukraine defended its territory. To show you this in more 3D format, we would also provide you with the Ukrainian maps and explain you how Russia occupied territory of Ukraine and how Ukraine advanced with liberating its territories. So this week's story or historical reference which we want to uncover to you is how Ukraine defended its territory and how liberated. But to do so, we need to travel back a little bit more. The first we want to show you map of Ukraine since 1991. That's the year when Ukraine declared its independence from the USSR. Ukrainian borders in 1991, from the moment of declaring its independence, usual borders with Belarus in north, with Poland, Slovakia, Hungary in the west, Moldova and Romania in southeast and Russia in the east. Ukrainian territory, including Crimean Peninsula, is about 600,000 square meters which is about 230,000 square miles for your understanding. Why Ukrainian borders of 1991 is so important? Because that's internationally recognized border of Ukraine as a sovereign state. And that's one of the conditions for peace inside Ukraine, as recently was declared by uh, Andriy Yermak, head of the President Zelensky uh, presidential administration, that uh, the war will end for Ukraine or peace is possible when Ukraine reaches its 1991 border. Just to give you more historic reference, historically borders of Ukraine changed and it's actually larger than the borders of 1991. If it's interesting for you, please leave us a comment under our podcast and we will speak in some of the future episodes about how Ukrainian borders change in the history. But as of now, it's important to understand the 1991 borders. So these borders was uh, until 2014 because in 2014, Russia annexed Crimea, also started invasion on the eastern parts of Ukraine in Donbass region and partially occupied 
parts of Donetsk and Lugansk regions of Ukraine on east of Ukraine, so you'll see it on the map. Till though there was an occupation in 2014, all these times Ukraine was saying on international arena that we are not recognized annexation of Crimea and invasion on the Donbass street and we were fighting for our independence and, and for our sovereign borders. Though the annexation was never recognized, uh, as we spoke last time on February 24th, 2022, Russia invasion begins and Russia started full-scale invasion uh, with dozens of missile strikes of different... During February, March 2022, uh, Russia started full-scale invasion from different fronts and borders and at the peak times Russia occupied or held some regions of Ukraine which was amount to almost one-fifth of Ukrainian territory. It is about 100,000, 60,000 square kilometers of Ukraine's territory. As you will see on the map, Russian troops starting from February 24th last year through March, uh, advanced and moved very quickly. They started invasion from the different front lines. They occupied territories on north of Ukraine, occupying the larger parts of Sum region on north. They also advanced from the east, occupying eastern parts of Ukraine, including Kharkiv region, uh, putting Mariupol under the siege and advancing in the Kherson region, which is on the south of Ukraine. So that's how map of Ukraine looked in March 2022. Affected areas on north of Ukraine, affected areas on the eastern part of Ukraine, affected areas on the southern parts of Ukraine. And that's actually remained a picture of Ukraine till April. Uh, as we told you last time, at the beginning of April, Ukrainian forces were able to liberate the Kyiv suburbs and the areas of north of Ukraine. Actually, Russian forces were demotivated, started to run out of the ammunition, water and food supplies. So they basically started to run and escape from the northern parts of the region. So Ukraine was able to liberate in April parts of not only Kyiv suburbs, but moving north at some point kicking off Russian forces from the northern part of Ukraine. In September, as you know, Ukrainian counter-offensive began and Ukraine was able to advance on its territories. Ukrainian armed forces liberated uh, in September, through September till October, I would say, Kharkiv Oblast. And in November, Ukrainian forces were able to liberate also parts of Kherson region. So as you will see on the map, which we will show you on the screen, those through October, Ukraine liberated parts of Kharkiv and started counteroffensive on Kherson. And by November 12th, also the larger parts of Ukrainian liberated. So to put you in some perspective uh, and numbers for your understanding, so from 600,000 square kilometers of Ukrainian territory, Russian forces and max advanced to 100,000, 60,000 square kilometers. But by November, Ukraine liberated about, according to Institute of the Study of War, Ukraine liberated about 63% of the territories which were invaded and occupied by Russia. And since November, most of the heavy battles were happening on parts of southern and eastern regions of Ukraine. So that's basically for your understanding of what's been happening all these times in terms of the rebellion and the occupation. 
now we would move to our regular updates on what's happening on front line. So as you will see on the map right now, Russia still occupies Crimea, still occupies rich part of Kherson region on the south. Moving more south is the Occupy regions of Zaporizhia, Mariupol. Moving more to east, they are still occupying and control larger parts of Donetsk and Lugansk regions. And the Ukrainian counteroffensive still continues in the direction of Kharkiv and Donetsk, Lugansk region, and also continues in the regions of Kherson area. To scale up a little bit more to, for your understanding, all these times starting from uh, November, December last year, the heaviest battles are happening in those directions, Kharkiv, Donetsk, Lugansk, plus Kherson. Scaling up a little bit more for your understanding, by May 2nd this year, major battles which were had and clashes between Ukrainian and Russian forces which are happening right now were in the Kharkiv region, uh, near the Liman area, uh, south from Kupansk area, you will see these green circles on the map uh, right now. Moving a bit more southeast, the, the most heaviest area with the largest battles is the Donetsk region area called Bakhmut. This place, uh, this is like small region inside of the uh, Donetsk region of Ukraine, which Russian forces tried to uh, occupy and advance from. It has very kind of strategic importance for them because through it could be logistical point to move further. That's why Ukraine, Ukrainian forces all these months defend heavily and heavily battles are advancing and happening all the time. Uh, just recently on media been posted one of the video footages of what, what's happened there. Uh, we hope we'll be able to show you due to YouTube policies. But the, the city itself is destroyed real battles happen there on the ground with all types of weaponry. It's fights with artillery, it's also fights by ground forces uh, against each other and though Russia at the beginning of invasion told they would uh, occupy all the territory of Ukraine in three days, they are not able to advance in this region for months. Again, there is a huge number of suffering and victims from Ukrainian side, but the numbers of Russian sides are even higher. So that's the hottest, unfortunately, region. And the updates of advances of this region reported by Russian forces, it's in square kilometers, not in hundreds, not in thousands, but by kilometers. And just recently, one of the Russian military groups called Wagner Group, which is private paramilitary organization, they reported that in April 29, Ukrainian forces control about 8% of the city, which is about three square kilometers. On the last uh, remaining parts of the city, they are in battle happening every day and the forces advance in real like square matter by square matter of Ukrainian territory to defend and liberate it. So that's what's happening in this region but that's not the only place where the battle's happening so artillery shelling and confrontation are happening through the, all the front line. If you move a bit further the second region when the, the battle's happening in the Kherson region uh, as I told you Russia left it and Ukraine were able to deliberate the part on the north of the region but the battles are now happening across the Dnipro river. It is very hard for Ukrainian forces to advance here because of the Dnipro river is quite large river and it's difficult to cross it. Still Ukrainian forces do as much as possible 
to advance through the siege. And as you will see on the map right now, there are some battles happening near Kherson uh, and Chernobyevka regions, when, where Ukrainian forces try to advance and Russian forces still resist and do not leave this area. The, the other areas where Ukrainian forces try to advance is Zaporizhia Oblast. If you will see this now in the map, this region is located between Kherson and between Donetsk regions of this area in the middle, where Ukrainian forces try to advance and where the Zaporizhian nuclear power plant located and Russian forces put uh, actually their military equipment there, which puts all the area not around Zaporizhia, but the whole territory of Ukraine and Europe in the danger because Zaporizhian nuclear power plant, to put you into perspective, is five times larger than Chernobyl. We hope nothing gonna happen here, but that, that's a really dangerous situation right there. That's why Ukrainian forces are not able to advance so quickly and fast in this region and Russia actually terrorizes everyone just saying that they control it and they could do whatever they want there to putting the world in the global and not except for the war crisis happening another environmental crisis so that's what you see happening right now the these parts of the territories of Ukraine are now occupied these battles in Bakhmut some battles in Kharkiv region and some battles and confrontation happening right now in the Kherson region. So that's basically what's happening right now. Why we put so much attention to Bakhmut? Because once again, that's not the, the large region, but strategically important region, which Russia tried to hold in advance. There have been a song released by, by one of Ukrainian bands, the band called Antitila. The song name in Ukrainian for Tete Bakhmut, which if you translate in, in English is Castle Bakhmut. And that's actually what's happening right there. So for Ukrainian forces is kind of castle, which we try to defend and Russian forces trying to take it. And from this point, move on to Anna, and probably Anna will start with some news related to Bakhmut, which uh, will show you how important is it and how much effort is put there to defend it. Yeah, thank you, Pavlo. I believe that Russian government, they don't care even about their own people. Because, as was reported, 20,000 Russian soldiers were killed in or around Bakhmut since December 2022. This number is comparable to the loss of approximately 13,000 Russian soldiers in two Chechen wars that happened between 1994-1996 and 1997 and 2000. But for Ukraine, this week was very, very challenging. Because on April 28th, Russia attacked Ukraine. 23 victims of the attack died when two missiles slammed into an apartment building in Uman. Six children were among the dead. And on the internet, there, there's a picture of Mikhail Shulgak, who is just six years old, and he cried and hugged relatives next to the coffin of his 11-year-old sister, Sofia Shulgak, during funeral. And emotion, so this kid describes everything without any words. And same day, a young woman and a three-year-old child were killed in Dnipro. Right on target, posted Russian Defense Ministry on their Telegram channel. And they admit that they were targeting residential buildings. I have a question, how is Russia still charging the United Nations Security Council? And how is Lavrov still making speeches in New York and shaking hands with everyone while Russia does this to Ukraine, to our native country. 
for me it's just a crazy world. But let's move on. Also on April on, on the 28th of April the United uh, the United Union reached an agreement with Poland, Slovakia, Romania to allow Ukrainian grain to be imported into the European Union. And the European Union Commission will provide comp compensation of 100 million euros for the EU farmers affected by this decision. Also, effects of the arrest warrant by the International Criminal Court. Tinder is leaving Russia. Jeff Perkins, the owner of the Match Group, which owns Tinder, Hinge, etc. It's not a good look for a trusted brand to be continuing operations in a nation where the head of state has been indicated by the International Criminal Court. Looks like Tinder swipes left on Russia. Also last week, maybe you remember, we discussed that Volodymyr Zelensky had a phone conversation with the president of China, Xi Jinping. The first one seen the full-scale invasion began. One week later, China, India and Brazil for the first time voted for the United Nations resolution, where Russia's military activities are called aggression. Finally, China has decided to abandon the practice of abstention during the UN vote on documents related to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. These were the main news. And we have our regular feature, which is called the event of the week in the history of Ukraine, to let you know more about our country. On the 2nd of May, 1892, first electric tram started working in Kyiv, the first electric trams in the Russian Empire. For example, uh, it started to work in 1901 in London and in 1896 in Dublin. 2nd May, 1986, Dynamo Kyiv beat Atletico in the final of the European Cup Winners' Cup and became two times champion of the tournaments in the last championship in 1975. And on the 2nd of May uh, 2014 is, so for me and Paolo, these are very, very sad memories because we are from Odessa and we were in Odessa during that day. It's anniversary of the tragedy on May 2nd in Odessa. Nine years ago, the residents of Odessa destroyed the plans of the Kremlin and stopped the Russian world in our city. Russian dictator Vladimir Putin set his sights on Odessa nine years ago on May 2nd. Clashes occurred in the city between supporters of the Russian Federation regime and participants of Euromaidan, resulting in the deaths of six people, and later 42 representatives of anti-Maidan were burned alive in the trade union's house. In addition, 250 people were injured. And for us, it's really crazy because Ukraine is quite a modern country and during that period I was already working in the IT company and Pasha practiced as a lawyer and we received a call from calls from our parents saying hey where are you please don't go to the city center and it was just the beginning of this full invasion. Yeah that, that's very heartbreaking we also on the, on the one side it didn't happen on the other side we, we're glad that Russia was not able to orchestrate its so-called uh, revolution on the Ukrainian territory using their propaganda and Odessa. Odessa's people showed that we are against Russia occupying south of Ukraine. That's already happened after Russia annexed uh, Crimea and they probably planned to do similar story in Odessa, but they were unsuccessful, luckily. Uh, yeah, but, 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 but during that time, they organized the same things in Odessa, in Kharkiv, in Lugansk and Donetsk regions. And thanks God, in Odessa and Kharkiv, they didn't succeed. Based on that, we are moving to the word of the week. 
and the word of the week is also connected with the stories Anna just told you because the word of the, this week uh, which we wanted to share with you is Russiaism just to put you in some perspective what this word means and where it comes from so last year when Putin announced his so-called special operation part of the Russian propaganda and misinformation rhetoric uh, announcing the full-scale invasion was that they want to come to Ukraine to liberate it from from Nazis and even during some attempts uh, for peace while during active phase of Russian invasion Ukrainian politicians traveled for peace talks for Russia trying to find some peaceful solution of that and when they came to some of these negotiation Russian side Russian negotiators one of their demand was you need to liberate Ukraine from Nessus uh, which Ukrainian politicians participating in this negotiation were saying we are not able to satisfy your demand because we don't have Nazis regime in power but Russia tried to use this narrative referencing uh, to their population to the World War II references when uh, Soviet Union uh, in the war with Germany were trying to use and say we are fighting against Nazis, fascism and so on and they tried to use this narrative during the last year's invasion and they probably still trying to do this on various various forums and platforms, including uh, absurd uh, speeches of Russian diplomats on the United Nations. So that narrative and the way of doing business by Russia during last year's invasion received its term, and this term is called Russiaism, which is a combination of the word Russia and Nazism and fascism, which Ukraine combines is in Russians. The reason why we decided to share this as a word of, of the week, because on May 2nd, Ukrainian parliament for Rada issued a directive where they defined the term Russism and defined it as a part of uh, Russian political propaganda and in general as a description of Russian political regime. Why Ukraine wants to do that? Just to recognize it on the national level inside Ukraine and probably move our international, our, I mean, Ukrainian international partners to support this idea in the defining it. While uh, issuing this directive, Ukrainian parliament public notice or press release in relation to this, and we will read from it for your understanding what Ukraine puts in the word Russia. The cruel, unprovoked war of Russia against Ukraine has been exposed to the world the true nature of political regime of Vladimir Putin as neo-imperial totalitarian dictatorship that follows the worst practices of the past and embody the ideas of fascism and national socialism in a modern version of Russian fascism, which is Russism. This is the definition proposed by Ukrainian parliament by making this directive. Uh, we believe it's more a symbolic sign because it's first started as a statement by public figure and generally uh, by people inside of Ukraine and abroad. When we speak about Russia, we refer to, to Russia as Russia's state or their regime as uh, Russism. That's why this official definition would probably make more sense in terms of public advocacy and international communications and cooperation. We hope that not only symbolic meaning, but at some point we would be able to speak about peaceful updates from, from Ukraine war. 
last week we spoke with you about what's happened during these 14 months of the invasion. Uh, to, as a disclaimer and complete disclosure, the events we shared with you and updates were our vision of key or most important events which happened during last 14 months. We probably have missed something or omitted some facts because for everyone's understanding there is a huge number of human suffering happening inside of Ukraine because of Russian unprovoked aggression against Ukraine. The huge number of hostilities among civilian population as well as a lot of sacrifice by Ukrainian military forces and international forces and international partners. That's what you need to understand. Even if we are not saying about something, you need to understand that that's happening on the background. We do it not intentionally, but we still recognize the level of heroism as well as during our update in terms of the map and liberation. We need to understand that by liberating each square feet of Ukrainian territories, there's lots of efforts put. There's lots of relief for people liberated, but still lots of sorrow uh, for loss of human lives and for people which are remain on the occupied territories. Uh, I wanted to finish it on a positive note and retrospective, but that's our realities. I want to add something. We just want to make sure that you understand that the brutal war is going on every single day. And if you don't see or hear something on the news in your country, it doesn't mean that the war stopped and that Russian aggression stopped. It's ongoing every single day, every single minute. Every day our friends and families in Ukraine, they hear sirens. And it's very scary, believe me, when the whole city, the whole country goes with this horrible sound and you feel danger, like, an animal, you want to save your life. It's very, very complicated. And of course, we understand that many people are tired because of the news, but in our case, we can't just switch the news or like turn them off because we are Ukrainians and it's our lives and it's lives of our friends and families who are fighting for the freedom. And our hearts are always with all the fighters who are fighting for freedom in every single country of this world. Glory to Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. Thank you for being with us. See you next week. And hear you next and week. And hear you next week. <laughs>